Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. We do a lot of interviews with EDM artists, pop artists, rappers, and people in the industry, letting you know what they do behind the scenes. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter through the handle Sidewalk Talk Show. Hope you guys enjoy. Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. I'm here with Jahan. Hi, you pronounced my name right. Yes, Thank I you. looked it up. <laughs> of Cruella, of course. One half. Yeah. I'm having separation anxiety. Oh. You didn't want us both together. First, I have to show you this picture. So we met? Yes. At one point. What? This is 2013 in Hong Kong. I'm going to put this picture for you guys. Holy and I literally shit. look like a Simpson. This was at play. Yes. Nightclub. Oh my God. You're, you're such wow. good memory. You play so much. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. So you were living there at the time. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. I think you're probably one of the first like EDM acts that I saw. There's no one wow. really came in, out there. In Hong Kong? Yeah. That club had like chicken fingers and like hot wings in the back, yeah. which was pretty <laughs> That's cool. That's good memory. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that because it's like, it's always funny when you're in a club and you're eating food because it seems like an unsanitary environment sometimes. Oh, yeah, true. You know, the, the bodily fluids and juices that are just swimming around in yeah. the club, you know. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna be an asshole and put my sunglasses yeah, on. Yeah, you should. You <laughs> know, I look like a dick. <laughs> So were you born in Windy City or was it Houston initially? No, I was born in Texas. Okay, you're getting a repeat of the conversation with Yasmin, right? Yeah, but you're like a few years <laughs> but apart. A slightly so... different perspective. Yeah. <laughs> I have two years on her. Uh, yes, so we were born in Houston. Yasmin probably doesn't remember at all because she was two when we moved. So she was like a cute little turd toddler. Mm -hmm. um, and then we drove, we road tripped with our family up to Northbrook, which is a suburb of Chicago. And that's pretty much where I grew up. I think we spent, yeah, we spent, I would say most of my young teenage or child, childhood, teenage years, adolescent years, young adult life there. And then eventually when Yasmin and I realized we had to step out of the, the nest and be responsible adults adults we moved out with our former member Chris and we all mm -hmm. lived in a loft in Chicago yeah and that was a creative space for us where we partied <laughs> and and made music and didn't sleep and had weird hours but I would say that was the place where we kind of went into where we really started like just completely living Cruella and pursuing our artistry full yeah time. what are your parents personalities like oh I like that question um I would say, as I'm getting older, okay, so I'll answer your first question. I think um, my dad has, as he's aged, he's aged very gracefully, and he's become a wise sage. Mm -hmm. um, he's very He's spiritual. kind of a feminist or something, right? He's Did Gaspine tell you that? I think I read in a yes. previous interview. Yes. <laughs> self-proclaimed feminist, which is amazing because he is from Pakistan and yeah. he raised us Muslim with my mom. And I feel like there's this perception in the West that Muslims, um, that most Muslims and modern Muslims, Muslims growing up in the West um, are very, let's say like ancient and barbaric with their views towards women. And my dad is a perfect example of um, a man who can stay in touch with his traditional values but also modify and adapt to the world around him coming to the West when he was 18. And 
that's been like a huge part of me getting closer to him is not hiding anything from him because I feel like I hit a lot as a mm -hmm. teenager. I don't know if you feel that. that that's something yeah. I've had a lot with a lot of people with Asian mm -hmm. parents too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I found that like as I started opening up to him and just being more straightforward and not having to hide this double life that I'm living. Yeah, what kind of clicked um, to you that you were able to be more open with him? I think it was when Yasmin and I moved out and moved to Los Angeles because that's when I realized I was really taking my family and parents for granted. When mm. you're separated by thousands of miles, um, it just kind of wakes you up and having going through such an extreme life change like that is incredibly profound and that it just makes you realize how precious life is and how and that's when you start really seeing that parents are aging and you know mortality is a real thing that we have to think about and I don't want to waste my time with him um, you know living in the past or hiding and not being able to be open with him mm -hmm. I want to be able to seek advice from him because there's so much beautiful ancient Asian wisdom, as you know, yeah. that um, that comes from, you know, whether you're Chinese or Japanese, but in Pakistan, there's beautiful Islamic poetry and sayings, and I'm learning all these life lessons from him now simply because I'm more open with him. Mm -hmm. Anyway, now let me move on to my mom. So my mom, or our mom, is European and born in uh, New Haven, Connecticut. And I think that, like, just her presence of being um, a freelance artist and a successful, independent, self-sufficient businesswoman, mm. and seeing she created and built out home office for herself. So experiencing that at home and growing up with that, I think subconsciously I internalized that. And I was exposed to a woman who's hardworking, who takes care of three girls, mm -hmm. cooks for her family, cleans the house, works 12, 14 hours a day, even weekends, and takes her girls like shopping on the weekend, yeah. clothes, takes me to dermatologist appointments when I'm crying about my <laughs> acne, when I'm hormonal, whatever mm -hmm. it is. So she really, like, I've given her this term before, but she took on a super, super mom role. Mm -hmm. So I think that was really, I think in a way, all three of us, when I say three of us, yes, I mean, I have an older sister too. Yeah, what does she do? She is an illustrator and graphic designer, and she works at Riot Media. Oh. She's a boss. So she also moved out to Los Angeles because we missed her a lot, and she, oh. wanted, she wanted to pursue her dreams. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we grew up with a very strong female presence. Look at these succulents. Oh, these are yeah. so pretty. They Beautiful. Are. How do you describe yourself back then growing up in, like, high school? Insecure. Lost. Desperate for attention. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I attribute that to maybe it's like the weird middle child theory. I don't know. Mm. Who knows? But I also think that's because I felt so, I felt very self loathing in high school. And my way, I didn't feel cool. Like I was never a cool kid. And my way of coping with that and my way of was creating my own individuality and that's when MySpace was coming about so I really like I sought out the internet as a place for me to create my own identity so it's kind of like hey I don't feel cool in the mm -hmm. real world I don't I don't know where I belong I'm not part of any sort of community and I think also that might be maybe relate to this but like growing up as a mixed kid is like yeah, not ask. fully yeah. identifying with your Hong Kong side, mm -hmm. and not fully identifying yeah. with like your Western side either. Yeah. Um, so I really, and I think that in turn, 
made me a more creative person is because I kind of had to create this fusion of both of my backgrounds. I even see it today in like our music style and fashion with like, you know, I'm wearing like a Turkish necklace right now and you know, mm -hmm. and like I love piecing together uh, Pakistani or Indian pieces or m pieces from the Middle East with like more Western sporty clothing. Yeah. So, and I feel like that kind of represents my background. How did you become more confident? Um, I mean, I still have my struggles with confidence. There's some, I mean, it's, it's different, you know, it's like mm -hmm. some days you wake up and you're like, fuck yeah, I feel like Superwoman. And then some days you wake up and you're just like, I don't know what my purpose is. I mean, I still have those days and I think like fans would probably be so disappointed to hear this because they probably have this perception that Yasmin and I are like, really really sure of ourselves all the time and we know exactly what we're doing and that's the perception that a lot of people like artists or celebrities people in entertainment um, exude online mm -hmm. but I have my days where I'm just like I feel like my what I want in this life and like my intention is not being I, I can't figure out how to execute it fully um, whether it's being um, creating more of like um, a, a community for mixed kids or Pakistanis and Indians or uh, women, women in music, women in entertainment, women in the tech world. And I feel like I have this power to do it, but sometimes I get really antsy and I'm like, why am I not able to like fully come into myself right now? But then mm -hmm. I, have to I snap out of it and I realize, you know, I'm still in my 20s. I have the rest of my life to figure yeah. this out. Like we shouldn't put this pressure on ourselves, mm -hmm. and then, and then in turn become more self-loathing and ashamed that we're not like fully, fully pursuing this path that we feel like we're set out to do. And then, were you after high school? Were you thinking about college, or what was your path before Cruella? Um, I was kind of on this like, I had multiple paths going going on uh, when we first started pursuing Cruella. Um, I was in college, I was at University of Illinois at Chicago, and I was also a server at a lounge. <laughs> so I, my, I used to love clubs back then. Like before we were playing, I was just getting drunk and going to clubs all the time. <laughs> so and then working in that environment as a server also, um, it was weird because I sometimes will play at these clubs and I'll be like, I remember what it's like to be the girl in the booth, oh, yeah. but then also the girl serving. Mm -hmm. So now I've, I feel like I've, I've lived three lives where I'm like, <laughs> I was the server pouring and popping champagne for, for rich people. And then I was the girl who couldn't afford drinks at the bar and would go in with my girls and we would just linger around for free <laughs> drinks. And now it's crazy to be in a position, a very powerful position too. It's like, we're the ones who are in a sense like hosting the party. Yeah. <laughs> I just live in clubs. Where were you studying while you were at college? I was studying communication. So I was taking a lot of classes on popular culture and mm. theory of mass media. It was a really, really interesting time because that was when you saw the rise of social media. Right. That would, that's perfect timing. Yeah, it was. <laughs> well, now it would be even more interesting because it's just exploded. But yeah, we, I was studying like theories of how media and internet usage and um, consuming social media is affecting um, our youth uh, mentally, their cognitive behavioral skills. I don't, by the way, I'm talking like I know what I'm talking about, <laughs> but I don't remember any of this. 
But I think it did, um, I think it was meant to, even though it was a loss of money because I didn't graduate, I think it was meant to be that I went to college because I think it in a sense kind of, kind of made, it shaped the way I thought, thought about different things and made me very critical mm -hmm. and crit look at things critically. And I think that's really important, especially as a woman in the music industry or mm -hmm. in entertainment, is to understand the current state of affairs and yeah. how it's affecting women who are pursuing a legitimate career in music and entertainment, um, in the tech world, in, um, in music video directing or production, whatever it is. You wrote a letter to your dad, right? That you wanted to like drop out and pursue this whole time. We did. <laughs> you still have that letter actually? Yes, nice. somewhere in my like old <laughs> Yahoo email that's like spammy now. Oh, you emailed him? I think it was For an that email. reason I thought it was like written out. <laughs> I think it was, I feel like if I hand, if I wrote it by hand, it would have been more uh, thoughtful. Like mm -hmm. I try to, I try to handwrite letters as much as I can now. An old school <laughs> like that. And I actually really, I have to say when our fans do that, it like warms my heart mm -hmm. when I get, when I open, there's something about like op opening an envelope and seeing someone's handwriting, you can like feel all the yeah. emotion. And um, so it's in one of my really sketchy, spammy old Yahoo emails that I'll have to find that yeah. somewhere. Do you remember what it says? Um, I think it was something, did you ask Yasmin? She might no, know, she has a better I memory. I tend to like, Honestly, sometimes I black out certain parts of my life, or uh, I just kind of like push it aside and I don't remember exactly, but I think, I know that that the topic of insurance was in this health insurance. Because yeah, because he cared time, a lot about that. He did. He's up there, you know, my parents of course cared about our well-being. They have three kids. And it was, at the time, I think you either had to have like a full-time, or um, what's it called? Work full-time at like a corporation that provides health insurance or you had to be a full-time student. Mm -hmm. And it, I mean, it's kind of, it was kind of unfortunate because I feel like that strips away people's motive or motivation to pursue artistic endeavors because they're like, oh, I can't get health insurance. Mm -hmm. So I can't pursue this path of being an artist. So that's what was kind of flawed about the system, yeah. system at the time. And then how long after that were you like living in a loft, right? Just you guys? Yeah, I think we're there. Oh my God, like I said, I feel like I blacked out a bunch of my life. I just erased it. Well, I was technically blacked out for a lot of it. Um, so I think it was about a year. Then Yasmin and I moved to our own place. And then we realized we have to be in the hub of artists, the hub of dreamers. My dad used to work at UPN. Oh, shout out. <laughs> and it's funny, in Chicago, he knew everyone. We'd be like, it would be a weekend and we'd be like walking around or driving. Oh my, all these trucks. Oh there. yeah. And then we'd be walking around somewhere and you'd be like, hey, uh, Stanley, hey, <laughs> hey, Bob. And they all, my dad is very, like, he will make friends with everyone. We would go into, like, mm -hmm. Whole Foods in Chicago. And to this day, we've been gone for three years. Yeah. And then he'll go up to the guy who bags, you know, the produce. <laughs> so he, and, like, it's cool because they're, they're often these people who are invisible and not talked to. Mm -hmm. And my dad always... You know, it was engaging. Yeah, with them, I love so. that. <laughs> Did your dad actually mind you like partying or drinking a lot? Because they're pretty religious, right? Or only yeah. like half religious? No, I think he was worried. I mean, and I, I would be too because as young women, you're vulnerable, mm. and 
I think it like what he, what I, I remember what he would bring out. It's weird because like we had this kind of weird like unspoke we had these unspoken rules where he didn't like really verbalize what the rules were. You kind of just knew. Mm. So there was that kind of little bit of discomfort there. But when we first, um, I mean, fuck, we're, it was all on Facebook, so of course, and my dad was great at stalking, I'm sure. Oh. Yeah, so, yeah. I don't know, I'm sure he knew, and I think he was just worried about us being in danger. And now, I think he really, really trusts us because Yasmin and I, he knows that we care about our health so much. Mm -hmm. But when we do want to celebrate or party on the road, he knows that we're looking out for each other, and that's oh, just something yeah. you have to that's do. That's so good that you with guys have friends. each other. Yeah, yeah. Regardless of whether you are a boys or girl, or man or woman, it's. I just have to say, like especially for women, we've heard of so much shit happening at festivals, backstage yeah. at clubs. Like you really need to surround yourself with company, like people who aren't just gonna leave you on a sidewalk in Scottsdale when you're blacked out and throwing up on yourself because yeah. we've seen shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> and then kind of early on, you already signed with like Columbia. Do you think that was like too fast? Um, like as in like, hey, it's like we just started dating and then we just moved in like six months later kind of thing. For the Columbia <laughs> Records? Yeah. Yeah. Um, or as in like you haven't fully figured out your branding and who you want to be. Well, that's an interesting question. Okay, so the really cliche spiritual side of me is like, it's all meant to happen. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like we signed at the right time because we grew, I like how we grew and then I like where we are at. I love where we're at now. I yeah. love how we've really come into our own and developed personally and I understand myself more as an artist and what I want. I have more clarity of vision. And I don't think that would have happened if we waited and stayed in our that situation that we were in as a trio at the time. So I think we kind of had to experience the machine for a little and see how it operates and see how it affects us create creatively so that now if there's ever a moment where the machine wants to lure us back in like we know our grounds and we know how to you know we know how to make something on our terms yeah so that we maintain our free-flowing state of mind to create because yeah. I think that's how you create the best music what did you learn about signing with them that are able to bring to your own like record label that you have now oh uh, well for the most part I think it's like the amount of money that the machine has mm -hmm. it, it like you can't even compare so it's like at, at a certain point it's like if you believe in your art so much and you want it to be exposed and you want incredible pieces of visual art when I, when I say that I'm like whether it's like a 50 to 100k music video wh yeah. whatever it is and you need that capital, then you do need to rely on the suits. Um, Yasmin and I have been indie for almost a year now, and it's been so incredibly liberating, but also we recognize that if we want to take our visuals to the next level, because we have these big dreams of what we want to do, yeah. we might need to create some sort of alliance with I'm still calling it the machine, but that's what it is. <laughs> but but I know yeah. that there are humans in the machine because we've met some label execs and some people who are a little more forward thinking who aren't just thinking like, hey, we just need that one song for radio. And they're thinking about, or they really care about an artist who has almost like a cult following or an, an artist who's so in tune with their fans, an artist who's creating from like a weirder place rather than the expected. So I have faith. 
Yeah. Trying to be more optimistic. <laughs> the ideas behind the charity focuses you have, like with the bracelets or the cleanups. So Dance for Paralysis was started by Tom, who is now our friend, but at the time we didn't know him. And he came to us telling us his story about how he was pursuing, and he actually had a professional career in playing hockey. And he had accidents that affected his his uh, physical ability to play and completely transformed his his dream in life to he had to kind of like he in a sense he lost his identity mm. it's like if something happened to me where i couldn't hear or speak or sing anymore i would have to completely reorganize my thoughts and, and dreams and think about a different path in life so and that and that can cause I can imagine like so much chaos in someone's mind to kind of just think like, hey, I, I, I identified with this role for the past 10 years and now I have to pursue something else and see what else I'm interested in, what yeah. else, you know, fulfills me, what else makes me feel passionate. So Tom's story was really moving for us and um, we just started, you know, we, we started, we launched this bracelet line with proceeds go to Dance for Paralysis that was with Electric Family. And then we started playing events. One year on Yasmin's birthday, she was like, I want to throw a party at a club on my birthday. Mm -hmm. And all proceeds go to Dance for Paralysis, mm. which is amazing. That's so selfless in a sense. It's her birthday and she just wanted all the proceeds to go to someone else. So, yeah. so that's one foundation that we feel very aligned with. I actually want to work on this more because I feel like, kind of like what I was talking about earlier, I feel like I have so many ideas and desires and things I want to do and accomplish with our fan base because I see the power in our fan base. Um, but you know, on future tours, I'd love to figure out a more uh, streamlined way in every city to see mm. what sort of community or aspect of the community or aspect of the city needs help and to see if we can get our fans together and bring together the force of the crew to help out, whether it's a day off or the morning of before a show. So I'm like, what's the point in having the influence? What's the point in having hundreds of people, the thousands of people who will show up at a show if it's just not for the common good of people? At the end of the day, I don't. it doesn't serve me if it's just entertainment in the long run. I want to do something more with that. So once again, I'm, not, I'm trying not to get impatient because sometimes I'm like, why haven't I figured it out yet? It'll happen. Yeah. It'll, it'll happen. <laughs> what have you learned from the split up? Um, ooh, grapefruit. I oh, and oranges. <laughs> uh, there's an orange that's split up right there. See that? Oh. <laughs> okay, so what I've learned, I think if anything, like my perspective on it now makes me feel bittersweet sad but also a sense of relief sad in the sense that like I I it makes me sad when you grow up with some someone and you influence each other growing up and they're a huge part of your upbringing and shaping your values and um, knowing that after like five six seven years that per person is completely gone removed from your life it's as if they don't exist anymore they're mm -hmm. ghosts and that thought is so like eerie to me and it's sad and it's unsettling and I don't want to experience that with more people in my life, but I also have to practice detachment mm. so that I'm not heartbroken. Yeah. So I, I'm at this point in my life where I'm trying to practice this balance between detachment, but also staying like truly, truly passionate about someone or something. And that also relates to our career. It's like sometimes when we mm -hmm. put out songs, like 
there was a time when we'd be like, spend an hour and just like, comments, comments, read the comments, how's it doing? How many retweets, how many plays, who's talking about it? And now it's like Yasmin and I will be in the studio or on a flight and we're just like, it's just another day. Yeah. You can't get attached and sometimes the best results happen when you're not hung up on the outcome of something. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think the split up kind of taught me this to negotiate this balance between yeah. detachment and feeling love and wanting to hang on and commitment. How do you think your music has changed since the early songs you put out? Um, I would say it's, I feel like it's more personal. There's more color to it, there's more culture to it. It's more multi-dimensional to me. Um, it's more, I, I, to me, as far as like songwriting goes, I think it's asked me I have become better at crafting our songwriting and melodies. And I feel like there have been there have been releases where I'm like, I wouldn't really like share this with a friend or I wouldn't show this to my mom or dad. And I feel like so I feel an incredible sense of like ownership and pride over what we're creating now. And I mm. think I think it's part of like the nature of an artist to, to like hate what you're doing sometimes mm -hmm. or never be satisfied yeah. or to be like, I loved it in the moment, but it's so stupid now. And I think that's like a huge part of creating comes from insecurity or filling a void within. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it does feel good to finally have this moment where I'm like, I feel like we're doing something that we were always meant to be doing as Cruella. And it took yeah. us almost a decade to get to this point. Yeah. So I feel like we're tapping into something that was that kind of already existed in our core, mm -hmm. but now we're kind of unearthing it. Yeah. Now. What themes do you have coming up in the songs, or like messages that you want to bring? Um, I'd say empowerment, strength, but also vulnerability. Mm -hmm. I think that's something as individuals. Yasmin and I kind of agree on. What was your decision to work with more and more like a Asian or Indian or Pakistani artist? I think in the current day and age when we're seeing this push and pull of like, it almost seems like half of the country wants to maintain, uh, when they say American values, it's like white male, like what they think the culture of white male males are in middle America yeah. and then the other half is in, in a sense it's nationalistic behavior mm -hmm. and then the other half of the country um, really really wants to represent where they're coming from they understand that America and, and uh, the United States is based on in immigrants it's it was founded by immigrants and we need to we can't lose sight of that so I think it's um, we live in a time more than ever where yes, I really feel like we need to represent where we come we come from, and not lose sight of that. And we want to empower other people too, or just anyone. Anyone. I think it's important to empower people to represent their cultural background and their heritage because that's what makes this country, that's what makes this world so beautiful. And it makes me sad thinking that there are some people who are trying to suppress people or wash away their culture when. There's so much beauty in ancient culture and values and and even with music and song and dance and that's something that Yasmin and I really, really want to, um, we, we want people to feel that ownership of where they're from. How do you think you've grown as a person since when you were younger? Um, less self-loathing, 
<laughs> I'm no actually like I have to say I feel like I've made a lot of progress and I'm, I still have a lot of work to do but I feel like I feel like I've been like vain for a lot of my young life and it my vanity prevented me from being present because there were so many times I was thinking what people thought of me mm. or what people thought of my personality my personality not being interesting enough or like even just like down to like what I look like and that me feeling like I'm having an off day with my looks is like preventing me from feeling like confident and like holding myself strong and standing up for myself. And now I feel like I care, I care way less about that shit. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, if I have a day where I'm like, there's nothing there, empty, no creativity. I'm like, don't, don't beat myself up over yeah. it. It happens. Like moods fluctuate, hormones, emotions fluctuate. We have our on and off days. Um, so just creating less expectations for myself yeah what does success look like to you Ooh, I love talking about the s word <laughs> success looks like being present mm -hmm. looking more inward mm -hmm. and understanding myself more and 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 having a full clear grasp on what my purpose is in life. Last question. What do you want to be remembered for? I feel like really egotistical answering that question. What do I want to be remembered for? Um, someone who could connect with people. Mm -hmm. Someone who could connect. I'm saying that in such an insecure way right now. Hold on. Yeah, and whether that's masses mm -hmm. or community or a few close people in my life or yeah. my dog. I'm happy if it's oh, my dog. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much. Thank it's been you. Amazing. Thank you. <laughs>